0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From St. Louis
1: Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
2: So you say you took a little nap. Did you bring equipment with you on this?
0: Um, I had a small backpack with some of the basics. It, it did get pretty cold at night. I found a picnic table, and I had one of those warm foil blankets, and I covered up and uh, was able to stay a little bit warm. I took about a half-hour nap at, at uh, 4 to 4.30 a.m. before I got back on the road.
2: 4 to 4.30 a.m. And this is after running <laughs> how many miles at this
1: point?
0: Uh, I think I was at close to 50 or 55 right around then.
1: It was really neat. I now know that Fast Eddie's is exactly a marathon from my house, the route that I took. So
2: It's important to have that timed out. I appreciate that knowledge.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: Sarah Fenske. Last month, Mark Fingerhut left his home in the city's Dogtown neighborhood on an unusual quest. By day, he's a product manager for a local software company. But this was not work. Instead, he wanted to see how far his feet could take him over the course of 24 hours. He'd run. Maybe he'd walk a bit when he got tired. But he'd just keep going all day, all night. Mark Fingerhut turned his quest into a challenge, the 24 Hours From Home Challenge, and he got 20 other St. Louisans to sign on for individual paths in just about every direction. It wasn't always pretty. It was at times downright exhausting. But now it's the subject of a really moving Riverfront Times cover story. And Mark Fingerhut joins us today to share about his experiences. So Mark Fingerhut, welcome.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
2: So, Mark, I got to say, running or walking for 24 hours in a given direction, it sounds pretty crazy. What got you thinking about putting together this challenge?
0: Um, I would probably say boredom more than anything else. Just uh, <laughs> being at home quite a bit during the pandemic, of course, and um, just itching to find something, find an adventure, to be able to get outside and, and just do something. I think the idea just kind of came from, from boredom initially, and then culmination, some other similar adventures that our group has kind of done in the past.
2: So your group, we should mention you are part of this group called the Hash House Harriers. For people who don't know about this, what do you do within that group?
0: Um, We run a little bit. Um, We socialize a lot. Uh, We enjoy some beverages, uh, sometimes before, during, and after the run as well. So it's a it's a great little group. It's a it's a global community worldwide. Pretty much every city throughout the world has these groups, and St. Louis's community is fantastic. And we run uh, at least a couple times a week in various locations throughout the city, and it's always a always a fun challenge, fun adventure to to get out and see these different places.
2: And in some cases, you're drinking beer before you run. That's the idea.
0: Absolutely, that is uh that is how we uh, enjoy ourselves. Um, and and. Uh, keep it interesting.
2: So this is definitely different than your high school track club. I mean, it, it sounds like you have an attitude towards running where you're really enjoying it. There, there's kind of, it's it's less about trying to set a time and, and more about having an adventure.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think the the like-minded folks in our, our hashing community are kind of of that same mind. We do have some, you know, really competitive runners, but for the most part, it's just people who uh, enjoy getting out and enjoying each other's company and Um, exploring new areas and and just having fun out there and not trying to kill yourself running too fast. Hmm.
2: So boredom led you to turn this sort of regular running into something where you'd have this particular challenge. What made you think that March would be a good time to do this and and (laughs) set out in 24 hours?
0: Well, I think the uniqueness of the St. Louis weather was another challenge, another part of this challenge, um, because, you know, lifelong St. Louis resident, you don't know if the weather, weather is going to be 80 degrees or snowing in certain months of, in spring or in the fall. So mm-hmm. um, doing it in the heat of the summer, you know, maybe more reliable weather, but it's also not great for runners to be out in, in super hot weather or um, likewise super cold in the winter. So I think March is a perfect time.
2: So you thought you'd kind of roll the dice. This could be really good weather, could be really bad weather. You're leaving it up to God.
0: Yeah, and and that's part of the challenge for people to plan around the weather as well. Mm -hmm.
2: So you knew that you had these designated dates picked out, and you picked them out before you had the weather forecast. Were there any other rules going into this thing?
0: Um, The only other rule really was uh, you're not allowed to travel via any modes of transport other than your own two feet. So, you know, I I told people uh, you can't get in a car, you can't get on a train, no bikes, uh, no boats. Um, other than a ferry crossing, I, I, I made it an exception to be able to cross a river on a ferry. That was doable. But other than that, it's just up to everyone to kind of come up with their own route, their own logistics, planning. Uh, everything about it was, was really up to the, the individual challengers.
2: So pretty open-ended. Uh, what kind of reaction did you get when you posed this to the people you know? I imagine the Hash House Harriers were among the people that you posed it to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I started with a pretty small targeted group of folks who I, I knew would probably be interested and in. there were a few who were super gung-ho and I think a few were reluctant there like, yeah, I'll go along with one of your one of your challenges again, fine, we'll, I'll do it this time. Um, and it, it turned out great, the, the community who joined this challenge for the first time was a huge range of people, super competitive runners and great runners all the way down to some of our, our pub crawlers uh, who went along with it. So hmm. that was a, a beautiful part of it was the range of skills and the range of people we had uh, take part in this.
2: So there were 21 of you total that ultimately signed on for this. Was there ever any discussion about doing it together rather than having 21-ish uh, individual
0: adventures? Um, Not really. And that, that, that was ver- from the very beginning, in my mind, that was the big part of this challenge was to um be sort of on your own come up with your own route and that's part of the the competitive nature of it as well if, if you have a a secret way that that you think will allow you to travel the furthest in that 24 hours that's your competitive advantage and i kind of told people you know don't don't share your route with people ahead of time you want to keep that uh you know close to your vest and um you know keep that as part of your competitive advantage um As it turned out, uh, we we did allow people to team up in in pairs. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a, a good, you know, change to make so that, uh, people are more comfortable with running with somebody else, traveling with somebody else, rather than having to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. So we did have a couple pairs uh, who, who took part in this as well.
2: That makes sense. That's a little bit of a, a safety aspect there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have somebody if you want somebody. But so the idea right. really was not just to say, let's all see what we can do, but there would be a winner at the end of this thing.
0: Yeah. And it, I didn't make this out to be super overly competitive, um, I knew that there were likely going to be folks who traveled much further than some of the others, and and some of the others you, they knew up front they were going to go a set number of miles and call it a day, and that was perfect um, for for some of the more um, you know outgoing runners and you know some pretty good runners. I knew that they would probably travel the full twenty four hours, and they may be hitting upwards of seventy, eighty, maybe even a hundred miles. Um, so. Uh, there wasn't a big incentive. I, I had a couple bottles of bourbon to give the winners. Um, so that, that was really the only prize. So it wasn't overly competitive.
2: Okay. But hey, a couple bottles of <laughs> bourbon. I mean, when you're at your 70th mile and trying to decide <laughs> whether to make it to 71, why not? Bourbon Absolutely. at the end. Well, so we get to the week heading up to the the chosen date. And the weather, in my opinion, was not particularly conducive to what you ended up doing. Did you freak out looking at this forecast?
0: Um, Not really, uh, because part of the challenge was that uh, each person, they have a 24-hour period, but it's any time between Thursday at noon and Sunday at midnight. So um, unless it was going to be raining and windy and cold that entire time, I wasn't too worried Mm-hmm. Um, with the forecast, the forecast was pretty bad for Thursday. But after that, it really cleared up for for what turned out to be a beautiful weekend. It, it warmed up and it, it stopped raining and dried out uh, for the people to you know, really get out there in some in nice St. Louis weather.
2: So let's talk about Thursday. The first person who set out, as you say, the weather was bad and he ended up giving up. It, it sounds like more quickly than people thought he, he would have. I don't want to say he gave up pretty quickly because he certainly made it farther than I would have here and that most of our listeners would. But what happened there? And, and did that give you some trepidation about what you were getting into?
0: Um, so my friend Aaron actually set out from New Haven, Missouri, out along the Missouri River, and he made his way west towards Herman, and he crossed uh, over the, the Herman Bridge to get onto the Katy Trail and continue on, and he actually started at noon Thursday, and he made it all the way until 5 a.m. Friday morning. So Okay, so he was doing was, well. Yeah, he he did great, and he's, he's not a really runner by trade, and, and he made it a a total of 35 miles and like that he, he was the pace setter. We were all very impressed with what, what he was able to do.
2: Hmm. So 35 miles, that's good. So you're heading into this. When did you um, end up setting out for your run?
0: Yeah. So I, I had originally planned on leaving Thursday as well, but with the weather, the way it was, I decided to push that till Friday afternoon. So I left my house around uh, one 30 or two beautiful weather on Friday. And I headed South through the city um, down towards uh, Telegraph Road, and then I crossed the bridge at Jefferson Barracks. And then once I was across that bridge, I, I had basically endless miles of levee trails and roads to, to travel as far as I could during that 24 hours.
2: And what was your thinking in leaving during the afternoon? I don't know that I would have structured mine that way. Why not get the full hours of daylight in?
0: Yeah, so I I thought about that, and that was part of my plan. Um, To me, it was going to be a big challenge to um, start out early in the morning, run slash walk all day, and then continue on through the entire night. Um, I I felt like that would have just been very mentally challenging and exhausting. So what I decided to do is to, you know, I slept a little late, took a nap Friday morning, and then set out in the afternoon so that I had a a chunk of daylight hours, but I wouldn't be completely exhausted by the time night came. And then I was able to you know, power through the night for the most part. I took a little nap. But um, when the sun came up Friday morning, I had a few more hours to get to one thirty p.m. And I think I was re-energized by the sun coming up and was able to kind of finish it out.
2: Hmm. So you say you took a little nap. Did you bring equipment with you on this?
0: Um, I had a small backpack with some of the basics. It it did get pretty cold at night. I was out in the the farm fields, and I think the temperature ducked below uh, 30. Um, So as long as I was keeping moving, I I stayed relatively warm. But um, at one point, I I found a picnic table, and I had one of those warm foil blankets, and I covered up and uh, was able to stay a little bit warm. I took about a half-hour nap at at, 4 to 4.30 a.m. before I got back on the road.
2: 4 to 4.30 a.m. And this is after running how many miles at this point?
0: Uh, I think I was close to 50 or 55 right around then.
2: Wow. This is, I mean, man, (laughs) what an adventure. My guest today is Mark Fingerhead. He's the subject of a wonderful Riverfront Times cover story. It's called Escape from St. Louis, and it's focused on the 24 Hours from Home Challenge, which Mark invented out of boredom and somehow managed to lure 20 other St. Louisans into joining him on. A great adventure story. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Mark. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. And now back to our conversation. Our guest today is Mark Fingerhut. Last month, he issued the 24 Hours from Home Challenge, encouraging people to walk or run from their house and see who could get the farthest. 20 people signed on. Um, Mark was among them doing this himself. Mark, you went overnight. An interesting wrinkle here. And that is that you appear to be in contact with the Riverfront Times editor. That's Doyle Murphy, who wrote the piece um, while you were doing this run. He actually visited you after dark along the road. There's a photo of you there. Was that an important thing as you were trying to get through the night and not give up, that you knew there was a journalist there to keep an eye on what you were up to?
0: Um. Probably not. It wasn't a big factor. Um, I wanted to make it the whole 24 hours, regardless. But it was great having Doyle uh, come out. I, I was actually surprised to see him. Um, I was running along the levee road at around uh, you know 11, and a car pulls up, and it's Doyle, and I was I was surprised to see him there. Another friend of mine had driven out to meet me and bring me some warmer clothing and some uh, food and a warm coffee. So. Uh, he pulled up and Doyle pulled up right after him. So it was, it was great to have him along for the ride as well.
2: And how did everybody know exactly where they could find you? Was there a way people were tracking your progress?
0: Yeah, so that, you know, I, I wanted to have, you know, full use of technology as part of this and technology has come so far uh, in terms of um, racing and navigation and so forth. So uh, each, each person who is um, you know, on the challenge Uh, had tracking turned on on their phones and so my wife helped out she sat back at at the house and and tracked everyone on the map and just saw where they're at and she'll kind of making sure everyone uh, was safe and if they had any issues they could contact her and and things like that but Mm -hmm. yeah we we had everyone track uh themselves the entire time and and kind of report back their pace as well and also to double check to make sure nobody's jumping in a car
2: (laughs) It's good to hold people accountable I mean if, if people can do this in an organized marathon I'm sure they could do this for what you're doing did you have anyone who hit some level of, of discomfort or danger where they had to be sort of unexpectedly bailed out uh, on this strategy your wife was involved with
0: um nothing got too dire I think there were there were some folks who had uh, you know planned on, Uh, going a little bit longer than they they did. But, you know, for various circumstances, whether it was the cold of the evening or, uh, you know, just got tired. Nobody got injured, thankfully. But, um, you know, I think some folks, uh, you know, decide to call it uh, a night. at various points. And then, um, you know, they contacted their their pickup person was able to meet up with them and, and bring them back.
2: So I actually want to go to the phone lines. We have um, another voice here to join the conversation. This is somebody else who participated in this challenge, and and we're so glad she's here to join us today. This is Rosemary LaRocca. Rosemary, uh, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Hi. Hi, Disco. How's it going? (laughs) Is that your nickname, Mark? Disco?
0: It is, yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We won't get into that on the air, but Rosemary, (laughs) we're so glad you could join us. Was it hard for Mark to talk you into this crazy challenge?
1: No, this is by far one of just many crazy challenges or adventures we've all been on, so... He started talking about it. Um, he involved me in the discussions this winter and I didn't need my arm twisted at all.
2: I understand you have a history of, again, what I would personally characterize as, as crazy levels of endurance here. Um, you've done multiple ultra marathons. What's the key to keep going, even you know, as we're talking about overnight conditions, to get up to 100 miles, which I understand you've done? <laughs>
1: Um, I I think just having small goals is usually a good thing. Um, Getting through the next song or making it to the next tree is a good way of just kind of taking it in smaller chunks.
2: Mark, is that something you identify with as as you're pushing on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think with with technology, it's it's just in the last uh, year or two, I've started using like a a fitness watch, and you can watch the miles kind of go by on that watch, and to me, that's kind of a mental thing. It's just to see the numbers keep going up and up and up. That's kind of a, a good motivator as well. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Rosemary, uh, tell us what you did for this one. You you did a much different route than Mark.
1: Yeah. So my partner Andy, he immediately started looking at routes once um, we talked about this, and he thought my most efficient path would to be go or to go north from our house um, into Illinois. Um, because as soon as you hit that farmland, you can just go straight for quite a distance. Um, so got to run in two states. That was fun, too. And, um, and you say
2: running through farmland. I imagine no sidewalks. Was that a little
1: bit uh, trepidatious? Sure. Usually during my runs, the safety measures are about trying not to trip over roots or fall off a cliff. But this was more don't get hit by cars. Um shoulders are much smaller than you think they are, too, Mm -hmm. when you're running or walking on them rather than driving by them.
2: Yeah, I mean, that that sounds potentially scary. Were there ever any points where you're like, man, this this trucker is going to have to get out of my way or I'm in trouble here? Yeah, once it got
1: dark, I had a lot of reflective lights and stuff all over me. um, But I think that did distract some drivers, too. They would kind of drive close to me to see what the situation was that was on the road. Um, Mm. So once we got to a pretty fast moving highway that I was going to be running on all night long, it just did not look safe anymore. Mm. So we pulled the plug then.
2: Okay. And was that hard? I'm sure you were in it to win
1: it uh, (laughs) when you had to
2: make that decision. Did you have mixed feelings?
1: I mean, there's always another, another challenge and another run. Um, that I just wanted to, you know, live through the night. So I understand you made like it. The best way. You made it fifty miles. That's pretty good. It was really neat. I now know that Fast Eddie's is exactly a marathon from my house. The route that I took. So.
2: It's important to have that timed out. I appreciate that knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Rosemary, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. You have a different perspective than Mark on on one key thing, and that's that you're doing this as a woman. Um, it, it might be easier for a man to set out and do this as an individual. Would you have been comfortable doing this without having a partner there along at your side?
1: No, I don't think I would have. I I brought Mace with me, which I've literally never run with in my life Mm -hmm. Um, and I recommended other people do that too because we were running places we didn't you know really know what the um, situation would be so yeah that was a a little nerve-wracking I didn't see too many people out and about but um, it it definitely could have been a little more heart racing, I think, if I had encountered more people. Hmm.
2: Well, we're glad you made it through uh, 50 miles. You chose a good point to call it quits. Didn't want to push that on that highway that felt dangerous. Um, Rosemary, last question for you here. What's the one thing you kind of take away from this challenge and, and this
1: experience? It's definitely teamwork. Even when we aren't all running together, we're all kind of cheering each other on and working together. And We were all really excited to see what each other could do. So I definitely appreciate that and appreciate our friends.
2: Well, Rosemary LaRock, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing about that experience. Thank you. And Rosemary is actually on the cover of the Riverfront Times. This is a escape from St. Louis. You can see her escaping from St. Louis, running to Illinois. It's a great action shot. Um, Mark, hearing about that situation there where she's on a highway and it just felt like, I don't know that I can do this. What were some of the other harrowing experiences that participants reported?
0: Um, So we had quite a few people choose to run on the Katy Trail. And so um, for, for some of those folks, that meant running through the city to get out to the KD Trail um, near Chesterfield. And one of the groups was running, uh, I think it was around uh, 9 or 10 at night along the KD Trail. And they heard the growl of a large cat. I don't oh know my. whether it was a mountain lion or a cougar or something. I don't know what it was, but they they looked up and saw the glowing eyes. um, And so they they got a little nervous and they ran four more miles to get out of danger. And then they called it a a, a challenge uh, there as well. So that was a pretty wild, wild experience with wildlife.
2: Yeah. Wow. I mean, Rosemary was saying that the teamwork can keep you going. It seems like also fear for your life could keep you going.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: (laughs) What about for you? What was the most harrowing part of your journey?
0: Um, definitely crossing the Jefferson Barracks Bridge. Um, I, I knew that was going to be a challenging part of my route, but once I did that, I would be home free with very little traffic and just wide open flat spaces. But getting across a the bridge, there's no pedestrian lane, there's no bike lane. So for about a mile, I had to run along the shoulder with cars speeding by next to me and looking down to my right to see the, the churning Missouri or uh, Mississippi River. Um, so I ran as fast as I possibly could for that stretch, and as soon as I was across the bridge, just kind of jumped over the guardrail and uh, exhaled a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, we're glad you made it over, <laughs> and then you kept running after that. You ran for quite some time. Um, you made it 74 miles. When did you realize, you know what, this this is the final mile?
0: Um, well, I I had gotten uh, you know, close to my 24 hour expiration time. And I, I certainly didn't want to quit before that, that 24 hours was up. And, mm-hmm. uh, my wife, Sarah came and she was going to pick me up wherever I was at, at one 30, um, at the 24 hour mark. And she pulled up around one 15 ish. And, uh, she's like, do you want to get in? I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go this last 15 minutes just to, to see how far I can go. And, and so once i once I hit one thirty, I hopped in the car and pretty much went to sleep right away. Wow,
2: <laughs> so you made it all twenty four hours Was that moment where she pulls up in the car? Was that the most tempting moment of your life to just stop running?
0: yeah, a little bit uh yeah, she had some some cool drinks waiting for me and uh and uh it, it was pretty warm during the day, so i was I, I really wanted to push that last last fifteen minutes of. Of, uh, of almost limping at that point just to f- hit the finish line.
2: I was just to say, at that point, you could not have been still running.
0: Was it technically <laughs>
2: no. a run? It was a walk.
0: Yeah, I I, I ran probably the first, uh, I don't know, five, six hours kind of running off and on. But then uh, certainly the second half of my 24 hours was a lot more walking than running.
2: So the person who made it the farthest on this ended up making it 80 miles. You were very close to being the winner of this, but 80 miles, that (laughs) takes the cake. Uh, What route, how far did this person get?
0: So my friend Adam ran from his house in Tower Grove and he he went out to the Katy Trail and picked up the Katy Trail near St. Charles and then he headed west and um, he eventually made it all the way to Herman and the reason why he chose Herman as his destination was he was doing this completely self-supported. He had all the gear and food in a in a small backpack, and uh, he needed to get to Herman so he could get the Amtrak uh, to come back to St. Louis at noon. So he, uh, he told me that he was about 40 miles from Herman and started doing the math, and he, he realized he really needed to pick it up if he wanted to get to his train in time, and he uh, he did make it to Herman with about ten minutes to spare before he had to jump wow. on the train to go back home.
2: So he had to he had to keep moving in those final miles. This was not he something did. where he could stagger across the finish.
0: That's right, yeah. Well,
2: it sounds like he deserves the bourbon. Uh, yes. Very congratulations on that. <laughs> Bigger picture, though. I mean, it's been fascinating hearing about all these details and just this idea of to keep going when you feel like you have nothing left. But even beyond that, you were inspired in this adventure by the British explorer Alistair Humphreys and his concept of the micro-adventure. What was his idea there?
0: Um Basically is that uh, you don't need to travel very far or go far away from, from home to find uh, adventure and to find interesting things. He's, he's all about, um, you know, just going out for a day and exploring, uh, you know, something that's near your house. Um, find, you know, just setting a goal, setting a challenge. Walk every street in your neighborhood or walk around the, you know, the entire beltway of your city um, find a hill and go and set up a tent and just camp there uh, overnight. Hmm. Um, so to me, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, recognizing the things around you uh, as, as not just your everyday scenes, your everyday occurrences, but, but to see the possibilities and the possibilities for adventure in, in your surroundings.
2: And do you feel like the challenge did that for you and, and did that for the other 20 people?
0: Yeah, I, I think so for sure. It's, it's one of the, the very cool things about this challenge was uh, people did spend a lot of time planning ahead of time where if this was a normal marathon, you're not thinking about the course too much. You you already know where you're going to go. So uh, a lot of time spent by people researching their routes, figuring out what's going to be the best way to go, the most interesting or the most direct and, mm-hmm. and the most safe, obviously. So uh, just another, uh, you know, fun planning aspect of this.
2: So, do you think you'd ever do this challenge again, or do you think it's on to a new micro adventure the next time <laughs> you're, you're feeling that same boredom?
0: Yeah. So we've, I've gotten so many um, inquiries from people, uh, you know, friends or or strangers have have been reaching out saying, you know, this is awesome. I, I I'm definitely in when you do this for the next time. And and honestly, to me, this was going into this, this was a one time thing. This is a, a unique thing to do during a pandemic when you need to keep spaced out from everyone else. But, you know, with with the popular demand, I, I think we're going to try to do this again. And me personally, I'm going to be behind the computer tracking people on the map. Uh, I don't think I'll be the one out there doing the 24 hours next time.
2: You feel like you've got this out of your system.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, Mark Fingerhead, it's just been great to hear about this micro-adventure, and I doubt mine is going to involve what yours involved, but you have inspired me to go on one myself. So I want to thank you for that, and and thank you for joining us today.
0: Excellent. I'll invite you out to the next one.
2: Oh, boy. (laughs) The gauntlet has been thrown. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mark, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Thank you.
2: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you.